0: I, I don't know what that was, but we're going to go with it. So it was a reminder <laughs> in case you had already forgotten what you literally just watched. And so did we watch, this is the way my memory is going today. We watched Aaron's video twice, didn't we? Okay. I, I'll tell you why I was scared to stop that. And Charlie was looking at me going, should I stop it? And I was scared to stop it because of something that happened a little earlier in the service that I'm now going to use as a part of the sermon. Um, So if you would, and Charles is going to be my friend, and he's going to let me read Scripture from my Bible because that's what I like to do. Um, He is going to operate the PowerPoint for the Scripture, correct? Thank you, bud. Uh, If you would turn in Luke's Gospel to the third chapter, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Uh, If you don't have your own Bible or your own phone, it's in the bulletin. uh, And then also it's going to appear behind me. Uh, This is what the word of the Lord says. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, uh, this is not in the scripture, but you may know him more as Augustus. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod, a tetriarch of Galilee. His brother Philip, tetriarch over Itura, and Trachonius. Lassanias, tetriarch over Abilene, uh, which is in Texas. During the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of of Isaiah the prophet a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight paths for him every valley shall be filled in every mountain uh, and hill made low the crooked roads shall become straight the rough ways smooth and all people will see God's salvation so Charlie, we're going to see if my clicker will operate, and it does. I don't know about you guys, I love Indiana Jones. I, I really do. I loved him when I saw him when I was, was younger, um, not as young as you guys, but younger, uh, which was a long time ago for me. I love him because of this, this hint back to a time period before. I I was watching movies because so much of this is based off of the serial movies that were from another age. I loved them because it spoke to what was going on during my life, including the second movie, which is kind of not as good. And then the fourth movie, which I completely forget about because Hollywood should stop taking older movies and just redoing them again and bringing them back. Just make new stuff. I mean, I know nobody in Hollywood's listening to me. Just make some new stuff, okay? Don't keep on doing sequels, and please don't mess up my childhood. (laughs) But one of the things that stands out to me the most, not as somebody who loved Indiana Jones because of my childhood, but as a preacher, is the third movie The Last Crusade, where Indiana Jones goes for the Holy Grail, which. In my opinion, the Holy Grail mythology goes completely against the character of Jesus, but it still ends up talking about faith and so many things. And the one scene that always stood out to me was the scene where Indiana Jones is called to do what in the movie is described as the leap of faith. I always think it's funny because in the chronology that's supposedly happening in the movie, they would not have used the phrase leap of faith that came about in the 1800s from this guy even though he never used it uh, he never said the phrase leap of faith this is saran kierkegaard Uh, he never says the phrase leap of faith but he bounces around it so much that somebody else ends up describing what he's describing as a leap of faith or maybe more accurately a leap to faith Um, but anyhow Indiana Jones is pulled into this scene where he has to walk across this great abyss and he's just told to do it with a leap of faith. And there's this wonderful scene in the movie where he just finally goes, I'm going to trust. And he sticks his leg out like this and goes down and he hits this ledge that had been there the whole time. I love this, this scene Uh, Because one, it's just great preaching illustration, okay? It just works. Um, But two, because it speaks to my life. Because there's so many things in my life at least where I just have to have faith that Jesus is true to his word. That I, I don't see how it's gonna work out and I just have to trust Jesus said this and I'm gonna believe it. That's why on Advent, we focus on faith today. Last week, we focused on, on hope. And if you remember, Advent is not just about us preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus, though that is a part of it. But it's also always pointing to not just His coming in uh, the birth, but also His coming again when He will make all things new. He started to do that now. A part of our inheritance as being children of God is that we have the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives where God speaks to us now in our lives where we don't need a priest to stand between us and God because God himself is the priest in the the form of the Son. But one day, Jesus will come and will make all things new. He will not only bring us back to the garden but he will put us on the path that the garden was supposed to always lead to, which was the holy city. And that's what we remember today. We remember the hope that we talked about last week, but we also talk about a faith, a faith that deals with the fact that he has come and he will come again. Now, what I find interesting in the passage that we just read today, this faith begins in history. Did you see the number of people that were mentioned? this is giving us a historical element. The, uh, the apostles, the, the gospels never hide from the fact that this is not mythology. This is not like the Greek or the Romans where they're telling stories that it doesn't matter if they happened or not. It, we're telling stories of Mars. We're telling stories of Zeus. Uh, we're, we're throwing out all these things that are meant to teach us certain lessons, but we know they really didn't happen. The Greeks didn't think that... that uh, Zeus walked among them. Uh, they didn't think, well, actually, I guess Zeus would be Rome. Uh, but, guys, they weren't concerned about the historicity of this. And our faith comes from this historical event that happens. Not just an historical event that happens, but multiple historical events that happen. We, we can question certain things in Scripture, whether or not they are literal historical events, or if they are, are mythology. I'll give you an example. Uh, Job, we don't know if he was a historical person or not, but it doesn't change the nature of that Scripture if it's allegory or if it's history. It's still just as true. Jonah, we don't know if Jonah was historical or not, but it doesn't change the nature uh, if Jonah is uh, allegorical or historical. But Jesus is... If he was not born, if he was not crucified, if he was not raised from the dead historically, it changes everything. Our faith is not anti-intellectualism, to use what P- Peter Enns used. It, it may be trans-intellectualism sometimes in the sense of we, we prove what we can intellectually, but then we have to just go and make a, a, a leap to faith but it's never anti-intellectualism. It's always historical in its nature. But what we remember with faith here is not about the historicity. It's not about the historicity. Because in history, well, this happens in history. Oh, excuse me. I went back. There we go. God's Word uh, comes to people in history But typically in history, what's thought of is is it comes to places that are important. In Roman history, people would not have been surprised at all if God's word had come to Augustus, Tiberius, Caesar. He was expected to be the mouthpiece of God as far as Rome was concerned. As a matter of fact, we have coinage from that time period where he is referred to as a son of God. But the word of the Lord did not come to the place of power in Rome. It didn't come to the temple, which is where all good Jews would have expected the word of the Lord to come. The word of the Lord is going to come to the place where we enter into God's presence. And I say we, only one individual, once a year enters in God's presence, but he enters on behalf of all of us. But the word of God did not come to the temple. The word of God came to John in the wilderness that's where he was and I don't know about you but I need God's word to come into the wilderness of my life So often we like to pretend like we are all shiny, happy people, like everything's right and everything's good, but we all know how often we are messing up. We all know how often we are hurt by other individuals, where we're sad when a child doesn't doesn't call or doesn't recognize us, when we wonder why this friend acted this way, where we feel hurt and we are in the wilderness. Sometimes we're there because of our own mistakes. Sometimes we're there because of things that are beyond our control. And we need God to speak into that wilderness. The sermon's never supposed to be about me, but I'll be honest and say I'm in a wilderness with the pandemic right now. I'm at a point of I thought, "Hey, we're finally on the downhill." Uh, slide And to be completely honest, what I was thinking was, the church can go back to, to normal. <laughs> and we're not there. And from the look of things, we're not going to be there for a while. I keep on saying, I'm so thankful for the videos that we have. I'm thankful that our, our friends and family can still be a part of this, but I hate it. And I shouldn't judge myself based off the success of the church, but I do. I loved it when we were kicking. (laughs) And yes, we are always going to be a small church. That is who we are. Uh, those of you who've been here longer than, than six months know we go and we get people and then uh, at their, primarily their age they move somewhere else that's just a part of it it's like breathing with our church we get bigger we get we shrink we get bigger we shrink we get bigger we shrink I'm okay with that because I was always going we're kicking it <laughs> and I'm in a wilderness right now where to be completely and I'm not looking for you to go oh we need to build Robert up I'm just trying to to let you know uh, where my wilderness is right now. Um, Well, I'm I'm glad you do (laughs) because I don't like it because I I leave here on Sundays quite often going, yeah, is the church going to survive the pandemic? And I would love to say it's all about Jesus at that point, but the reality is what most pastors do and what I'm doing is we judge our value the same way the rest of the world judges their value. is it it succeeding and that's not the faith that, that jesus has given us that's not the faith of of one of my favorite chapters of of any of the gospels the sixth chapter of john where jesus begins to talk about what will ultimately become the lord's supper and people go oh that's a really hard teaching and they leave But God's word comes to John in the wilderness. And I think that's why the word faith here is so important. Because it takes faith to go, God will speak into my wilderness. It doesn't take faith to say that God will speak into the good times. (laughs) That's easy. It doesn't take faith to say that God will speak in the holy moments. That's easy. It doesn't take faith to say God will speak into the moments of power. Truthfully, that's just worldly. But it takes faith to say God will speak here and now. The passage we began with said, he went into the hill country uh, all around Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. This has to be what God spoke to him because it's what happens immediately afterwards. God, and John goes into the wilderness. God speaks into the wilderness. And John then begins to do this. So we don't have exactly the word that was spoken to John, but we know what the action is. And the action is that he goes out and he preaches repentance. And he preaches forgiveness. Now, my temptation, again, loving the mechanisms, is to go, well, then we need to focus on repentance. I mean, after all, the part from Isaiah that's quoted talks about repentance. It says this, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough way smooth. And my tendency is to go, then I need to take care of this. I need to make those ways straight. I need to take those hills and lower them down. God needs me to do something for Him, which is just pure, blatant worldliness. God is not calling me to do something for Him. Yes, He is telling me to prepare the way. But how do we prepare the way? We prepare the way by saying, God, I, am, I trust You to speak into my wilderness. I trust you to be true to your word. And what is your word? Your word is a word of grace and forgiveness always. Always. That's why Ephesians says the following. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. John goes into the wilderness, not the place of power, not the place of holiness, into the wilderness, and God speaks. And when John leaves there, yes, he preaches repentance, but it's because of forgiveness. And I think so often we take repentance and we turn it into a thing of, I can do this on my own, rather than realizing what repentance is, and that is recognizing who we are. God doesn't expect us to change our behavior on our own. He recognizes we cannot. Paul says in the seventh chapter of his letter uh, to the Romans, that which I do is not which I want to do, but instead I do the very thing that I do not want to do. Even when we have come to Christ and we have given him our lives, we still are are fallen, sinful people who make our value based off worldly standards rather than the the standard of God. And He looks at us and He says, I broke my body for you. I know who you are. I know how messed up you are. And I love you. And it takes great faith for us to put our arms up And just fall back and trust that he's going to catch us. When everything in our world says, if you work hard enough, you can figure this out on your own. And everything we really know about ourselves is that's a lie. So we were going to sing three songs today, we practiced three songs today. I loved the three songs that we practiced. How many songs did we do? Two. Why did we do two? Well, because we had a discussion before everybody got here and Adam Holti said, we should do Joy to the World last. And we should do Joy to the World last because it's a response to everything else. Genius. Genius. And I heard it and I never changed the list over here. And so I'm, I'm looking. Matter of fact, I'm so sorry. Um, ah, good. I was trying to make sure. Tegan uh, had this great idea. And she's like, I, if we could respond online some ways, uh, we could be a little bit more like who we are, where people could talk back. And I was like, you know what I can do? I can turn the YouTube video on my phone. And if somebody comments, I'll be able to see it. And I was busy doing that. And I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're on the third song. That that went really fast. (laughs) Which if you noticed when the video started, the Holties kind of looked up at me like, what's happening? We are all messed up people that never get it right. Even when we practice desperately. Even when we do everything we can to make sure it goes right. At the end of the day, we are messed up human beings. It is just a part of what human nature is like now as a result of the fall. And yet Jesus still allowed his body to be broken for us because he loves us. I think in Advent, when we remember that he came and we remember that he is coming, the act of faith is to remember that it always comes down to His grace. When we live in a world that is not about grace, as a matter of fact, it does a really good job of trying to turn grace into an act of work. The act of faith is to say, I just trust that God loves me. That when He comes, yes, He will judge, but He will always be the judge whose body was broken from me. I don't know about you, but in the wildernesses I'm in, that's the message I need to hear. I need to hear God saying again and again, I broke my body for you. You are mine. And when I remember that, the appropriate response is joy to the world. So if you are okay with it, Instead of closing with the doxology, we're going to close with, with uh, Joy to the World. Also, I don't feel as bad then because I didn't jip you of off. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Pray with me, and I might fit the doxology there it's still in the end because I do love it, and then we're going to sing Joy to the World, okay? We're good with that? I'm sorry What? Uh, I would love for you to play it, actually. I like the Holties playing. It always makes me happy. <laughs> it just treated it all like a band. <laughs> the Holties. <laughs> would you join me in prayer? Father, speak into our wildernesses. When we look for you in the place of power, when we look for you in the place of, of worldly holiness, Remind us that you speak into our wildernesses. And help us to hear your forgiveness there. Help us to hear your call for repentance a repentance that says, I am a sinner in need of help. So that we will be like the tax collector who prays and can't even look up, but just simply begs you to have mercy on him for he is a sinner. Father, help us to always hear your voice. And have faith that your voice is always about grace. Help us to remember that. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above. Ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And the appropriate response, or one of the appropriate responses to to remembering that and trusting in it, is to sing. So if you would join with the Holties, my favorite band in the room right now (laughs) in singing Joy to the World. Thank you very much for being here today, putting up with snow, especially for you guys driving down here in the snow. I appreciate yeah. that greatly. Was it bad? It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, thank you for being uh, with us today. Love you guys. Have a wonderful week. By the way, if you're wondering, I wore my ugly Alabama Christmas sweater because they won yesterday. Yay. And now they're rated number one in the nation. Who is they? Alabama, the University of Alabama Crimson. Tide. guys. <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah. <The lamb brains. laughs> yeah. Yes. Go need. You're good. I need to kill the video. Hey, how are you doing?